So I've been thinking about Kevin McCarthy basically all night long. I don't ever want to be in this position again, thinking about Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> Just, I mean, I, but I figured a few things out. I really had to study this. I really had to go deep. I had to study him because look, I, I, you know, I'm Congress, right? You, you expect them to do the work. There are some guys I like down there. Never been a big fan of Kevin McCarthy, but at one point he started saying the right things and, uh, but he's definitely a career politician, and I, I basically figured it out. Number one, sorry to say, well, that speech last night that he gave after he got kicked out, right? Very beautiful, very nice. But then there's this. What did Vince Lombardi say? Show me a good loser, and I will show you a loser. This guy was weak. This guy wasn't smart enough. This guy... I don't believe has real core convictions. I think he likes politics. I think he likes being an important person. And I think it's a great big game. And the country is going to hell. It's disintegrating all around us. Yet he wants to play a game that they invented in 1876. Right? Well, you have to compromise, Greg. You have to compromise. Really? Do we... Do we compromise with people who want to steal our children? Who want to steal children? Do we compromise with people who don't believe we should have a border? Do we compromise with people who believe it's totally fine to lose a war and to fund another war that no end in sight? I don't know. I just, whatever. Uh, I guess you got to have some compromise. But you know the compromise word, you know, it's not just a, it's not a good word all the time. Yeah. Oh, we're going to reach a compromise. That sounds great. But then you're compromised, right? Somebody who's compromised, you got something on them. They did something bad. Um, all right. Number one, he comes out last night. He's just lost the biggest job he'll ever have because he's finished in politics. He's been in politics since the age of 20. And he told a couple of good stories. Now, Matt Gates is talented, and I like him. I don't know him well. Sometimes I think he goes a little bit too far, but you know what? I think he's in it for the right reasons. I do. Sometimes he's annoying. A lot of these guys are annoying. And that little coalition, only eight people, this rule is not, like, brand new. It wasn't invented by the by the Freedom Caucus. It's been around for, like, uh, 200 years that you could get rid of a speaker like that. You know who... Put it aside for a while, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. I don't want to dwell too much on the congressional procedures and all that stuff. It, it, it is important. I know some people who I like, some conservatives are really devastated and upset right now, and this has put us back. You know what? A lot of these guys were devastated and upset that it took 15 rounds of voting back in January. Does anybody really talk about that? They're talking about it now, but does it really matter? This will be forgotten very soon. I know that President Trump, wasn't passionate about Kevin McCarthy. And I, back when his name emerged as the guy who was going to be speaker, I'm like, hey, isn't this the guy who condemned President Trump after January 6th? Isn't this the guy who on the phone with um, Liz Cheney said that Trump is impeachable and should resign? Resign. He, wanted, he had two weeks in office. He said he should resign. That's Kevin McCarthy. Then he gets the job, and what did he say about Ashley Babbitt? He said that Officer Bird was doing his job. Um, 
No, he wasn't. Murdering is not part of his job. Murdering unarmed women is not part of his job. The January 6th tapes, I could have done a lot with them. Instead, he gave them to Tucker Carlson, and Tucker Carlson got fired for playing them. (laughs) All right, what about the rest of us? You know, why not? I think he was more in love with politics than the country. And um, I think I can actually prove it. Let's see here. Cut 21, please. This is right after he finds out he's the ex-speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. Cut 21. President Abraham Lincoln once said, I'm an optimist because I don't see any other way. If you ever come to my office, you'll see the portraits of Lincoln and Reagan. And I firmly believe if Reagan gave us advice, he would say, if you believe your principles bring people greater freedom, you should be happy about it. I've always been, I've always been excited that I've been a happy conservative. Hey, his demeanor is strange in that it's no different from, it, from last week and the week before. He is this, you should be red in the face and fired up. And he should have de- taken to the floor to defend himself. And he didn't. He just took it. Like we take on our side all kinds of things that are completely outrageous. He just took it. Cut 22. Please. My journey to this office was something people wouldn't understand. I grew up in a town of Bakersfield, California, the son of a firefighter, the grandson of immigrants. Parents worked hard, the youngest in my family. Didn't have great wealth and got out of high school. I didn't have great grades. Hey, stop for a second. Stop. This is not an interesting or unique story. They all think they all, some campaign consultant says, tell the story. Everybody in America can tell this story. It ain't, I mean, it's not, it's good. It's a beautiful story, but at the same time, he thinks it's special. He thinks this makes him so unique. It doesn't, buddy. Keep going with this. There's something coming up. Flipped cars to try to pay my way through it. Went to visit some buddies. Away in college for a weekend. Stopped at the grocery store to cash a check, and I won the lottery. One of the first in California. It was before Biden economics. There was only 5,000, but it went much further back then. Took my folks to dinner. Put the majority of the rest of the money into the stock market and did pretty well. Hey, stop for a second. I listened to this like six times. I can't tell what he's talking about. Did he cash a check and felt like he won the lottery? Or did he literally win the lottery? Did he literally win $5,000 and he puts it in this? <laughs> I don't know. But um, well, that, that doesn't happen to many people. Keep going. Next semester, I took a break from school. I went to buy a franchise, but no one said they would sell me one. Because I'm only 20 years old. But I learned then never to give up. So I opened my own business, selling sandwiches. Three things I learned. First to work, last to leave, last to be paid. I wanted to finish my college degree. At that time, no one in my family should finish the four-year degree. I did pretty well. I now had enough money that I could pay my way through school as long as I went to Cal State. So I sold my business, going to school. I opened up the local paper and said, be a summer intern in Washington, D.C. with my local congressman. I did not know this man, but I thought he'd be lucky to have me, so I applied. And you know what he did? He turned me down. But you want to know the end of the story? I got elected to a seat I couldn't get an internship for. 
I ended up being the 55th Speaker of the House. One of the greatest honors. I loved every minute. This is a very revealing story, actually. It really is. So, a couple of things. The only stuff he knows about being a businessman, he learned when he was 20 years old. He gets out of business really quick. And then he's applying for internships all over the place. Because he actually did get an internship. It wasn't in Washington, D.C., but it was in Sacramento. Okay, he worked for a, okay, can't work for a congressman, so he worked for a state assemblyman. All right, so, and then he keeps quoting that, it, it would be like me talking about the lemonade stand I ran for six weeks, uh, actually six minutes really, when I was 11. Uh, first in, last out, uh, last to be paid, whatever. Making sandwiches. That's a very important thing to do actually. It's very important. But he says he rises from that to become the speaker. And now he's so much better, so much more powerful. And in one way, yeah, you look at it, these guys get treated like potentates. They, <laughs> with the silly offices that go on and on and on. and It's like a palace in the Capitol. The, the office of the speaker, the deputy speaker, the anteroom of the speaker, the, uh, the hideaway office of the speaker, speaker one, speaker two, all these things they get. Keep going, please, with the next one. Cut 23. You need 218. Unfortunately, 4% of our conference can join all the Democrats and dictate who can be the Republican speaker in this house. I don't think that rule is good for the institution, but apparently I'm the only one. I believe I can continue to fight maybe Stop. in a different manner. That's not true either. Now he's feeling sorry for himself. I'm the only one. There are a lot of people, actually, who don't like that rule. There are people who are fighting against it. Republicans, the ones that spoke out in your defense yesterday, a lot of them. And by the way, you didn't nearly acknowledge them enough. Look, just keep this in mind. Nancy Pelosi, that crazy old bat, right? You want to talk about what she got done compared to what this guy got done? Uh, it's no contest. Pelosi impeached Trump twice. She managed to remove Republicans from committees. She did not allow the GOP to pick representatives for the January 6th committee. She forced masks and metal detectors. McCarthy, as you will see in this thing, is weak and potentially kind of corrupt, not corrupt as in he's pocketing money, but in that his agenda, his loyalties are elsewhere, actually. Hey, you know what happened? <laughs> Did you ever see the uh, the radical climate change people take over his office? It happens like routinely. Routinely, they go in there and they, they take the office over. And they're issued a parking ticket and then they leave. And then they do it again the following week. What happened to our friend uh, Big O Barnett? Remember him with his feet up on the uh, Nancy's desk? That guy's going to federal prison for five years. Five years. This Nancy doesn't screw around. Um, and then it gets kind of funny. He he thinks Nancy Pelosi let him down. Go to the next clip, please. What number are we up to? Uh, keep going. I will not run for speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else. Stop! As if it's up to you, pal. <laughs> like, you see, the power, the arrogance, you just got beat. You couldn't, and he didn't have the intellectual furniture to pull it off. Cut 25. 
I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I do believe I got a new portrait in there, too, of Teddy Roosevelt. You all know the man in the arena, one of my favorite parts of it, who errors, who comes up short again and again, but there is no effort without error and shortcoming, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who knows the triumph of high achievement, and if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. I always like to take a risk. Okay. Um, Now it can be said. We love Teddy Roosevelt, but he was a bit of an egomaniac ham. Okay. You ever been out to Sagamore Hill? This guy thought very, very highly of himself. And politicians love the man in the arena uh, little poem, little ditty that he came up with, Teddy Roosevelt. And it sounds great when you read it, but then you stop and think about it, man in the arena. Like man in the stadium, like the star, right? People like who? Kevin, who go in and, you know, wow, take a chance. And you guys who are booing me and critiquing me, you guys are the losers. I'm the winner here. That's what man in the arena is actually about. And I don't like it. The man in the arena should be worried and working for the man who is making sandwiches in Bakersfield. Right? You see, that's the important person in this equation. The person he was at 20 and the person he could have been if he stayed in the sandwich business. That's where, that's where the glamour is. That's where the glamour should be. Instead, they, they, they created this, this industry around themselves where they are the captains. They are the chieftains. And we kind of are supposed to watch in awe. Anyway. No offense, Teddy Roosevelt. I liked you a lot. Of course, you were the uh, you were the one of the first police commissioners of the. I I sat at his desk, but uh, yeah, a bit of an egomaniac and a ham. All right.